Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Tuesday morning. To use a stock market term or some terminology, hey. Chicago sports fans, the voice of Keyshawn Johnson, Chicago sports fans were not too bullish on the Bears. The latest example last night, less than 150 yards of total offense after saying they were going to overhaul the offense, and that's where we'll begin this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay not in the chair at the moment. He hopefully will join us a little bit later this morning. He's getting ready for the NBA draft tomorrow night on ESPN. But it's a pleasure to be joined by Chris Canty, the Super Bowl champion. He's got his own show with Rick DiPietro, the old Islander, and Dave Rothenberg on our New York affiliate. He'll be with us this morning till 830. Then he's got to zoom over and do his own show. And we should mention Chris and Key were once teammates in Dallas 2005, Chris's yeah. rookie year. <laughs> Key was just about the end of his stellar career. And hey, now you hey, guys, hey, 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 hey. I hey, just hey, said hey. your stellar career. What did you want me to say the there? The end. It wasn't the end. Okay. It was just different chapter in my professional gotcha. life. Gotcha. That was yeah, all. So this is kind of like old times, Zubin. I You're mean, reunited only, again. Yeah, reunited, and it feels so good. The only yeah. difference is instead of arguing with Todd Haley, he's arguing with Jay Will, and I'm sure at some point <laughs> you're going to scream at me about how we need to get the break rather than <laughs> Mike Zimmer yelling at me about running to the ball. So a little bit different, but still kind of the same. Yeah, he, he was uh, just a young kid, you know, big, tall, kind of bow legs, kind of like – you know, big though, like big though, really like huge defensive end type, D tackle. You know, I was, he was big, man. That's for damn sure. And and young and nice. Didn't say much. Quiet. Just watched, kind of observed. That's why he's talking about the 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 back and forth with Todd Haley. For a rookie, he sees the back and forth. He like, damn, you get to talk to the coaches that way. But it was, <laughs> it was, it wasn't. It's never like a a. a a real argument, so to speak. It's just more about arguing or having a conversation, very animated, Z, about what's going on and taking place at the time. Well, Zoo, the only reason I was quiet is because vets like Keyshawn, along with Bill Parcells and Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers, they said rookies should be seen and not heard. So when you get that from those guys, are you going to say much in the locker room? Probably not. Yeah, but we don't want you to be quiet this morning. We oh, not at all. Not at all. In. I got this microphone now. Nobody can stop me. I'm all good. So let's talk about what's all good for the Minnesota Vikings. They have suddenly gone from 1-5 to showing signs of life. They've won three games in a row. They are now 4-5. and five. The Bears moving in the opposite direction. They've lost four in a row. But let's focus on the positive. Minnesota yesterday, Kirk Cousins finally getting a win on Monday Night Football and this is a completely different Minnesota One team. One and nine. <laughs> One and nine. It was his 10th career start on Monday night. Finally gets that first win. And I think finally, Key, Minnesota is starting to look like the team you said they would be at the beginning of the season when you predicted they'd be a division champion. Well, I did. I thought, I thought that they would win the division based on the way that they finished last year and, and Coach Zim coming back and Kirk Cousins coming back and then moving on from Diggs with Drafton, Jefferson out of LSU, Dalvin Cook, just the whole thing. And I knew that the secondary – would struggle because they would be young. And I thought, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's like, okay, they lost one. I get it. They lost two. Uh-oh. They lost three. You know, you start looking at it like, well, what the hell is wrong with them? Now, all of a sudden, I think Gary Kubiak has settled in as the offensive coordinator. Now that Steve Stefanski, uh, Kevin Stefanski has gone to Cleveland. Gary Kubiak now steps upstairs calling the plays and getting back into that groove as an offensive coordinator. Defensively, they've always been – a good defense because Mike Zimmer knows how to call defenses. Then the young secondary has settled in to some degree now. 
And then when you look at them overall, they're still in the mix. You know, you look at the next three games that they have coming up, Cowboys to start with, they very well could wind up having this thing go down to the wire to week 15 or 16 before they're eliminated from the playoffs, Chris. Yeah, Q, you mentioned the Cowboys coming up. They also got the Panthers and the Jags. All three of those games are at home. So mm-hmm. the Minnesota Vikings have a chance to get healthy, and it seems like this team is headed in the right direction. A few weeks back when they traded Yannick and Gokwe, we thought that they were punting on the season, but Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer had other plans, and now – this team seems like they're getting it together. The only concern that I have is that offensive line is still an albatross. They got to get that fixed because the Chicago Bears front seven dominated that group last night. Dalvin Cook really didn't get going. He wasn't able to have the impact on that game. And then they put a little bit of pressure on Kirk Cousins, although Kirk was getting the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. But the offensive line is still going to be an issue that the Vikings got to get fixed. Yeah, but everybody's not running up on the Chicago Bears defensive front, though, right? I mean, everybody doesn't have that defensive front, the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Jags, is that defensive front going to look like Chicago's? That they, so when you start to look at it, yes, the offensive line at times struggled for them, and they didn't get Dalvin Cook going, but the defenses that they're getting ready, especially the Cowboys defense, and then when you dive into the Panthers are a little bit better defensively, but you start to look at it, you say, well, okay, Overall, in three phases of the game, the Cowboys aren't good, better than the Minnesota Vikings. The Jags aren't better than the Minnesota Vikings, depending on whether or not Teddy Bridgewater is healthy when they play the Carolina Panthers. You never know what you might get out of that. So they they certainly, the, the, the needle is ticking upward for sure for them, and it's good to see. No doubt. It's also good to see, at least if you're a Vikings fan, as Key mentioned, Kirk Cousins getting off the schneid on Monday Night Football I know those famous words, you like that, came when he played for the Washington football team. But after last night, I think it's fair to say, you like that, is back. Here's Kirk. You know, for me, it's all about, you know, playing well and, uh, you know, doing my part. I've learned, played long enough to know that there's not a lot you can control as a quarterback. There is, you know, the ball's in your hands, but um, there's so many things out of your control. And so you just uh, do the best you can, play the best you can. So let's flip it to the other side with Chicago. And by the way, to Chris's point, Dalvin Cook, not great last night, 96 yards, 30 carries. But just a reminder, the previous two games, 206 yards and 163 on the ground. So he's been holding his own for sure. And a lot of the times when we look at things, and Chris knows this very well, as a defensive lineman, a defensive player, you you look at the total. First thing we run to is the box score. Oh, man, look at the yards. He only had, he had less than 100. How many attempts? How did that play into play-action pass? Mm-hmm. What did it do to the linebackers in the defense alignment? Did it negate them from having a full pass rush? Did it slow them down? And so when you start to look at that, it was very effective in terms of having him on the field, even though yardage-wise he didn't have an explosive game, but it helped the overall game plan. When you got a guy like Kirk Cousins throwing for close to 300 yards and two touchdowns and one little interception, I don't really necessarily put that on Kirk Cousins. So when I put that on Thielen, Thielen's supposed to catch that ball. Mm-hmm. Instead, it bounces off his chest because he's trying to he's trying to uh, catch the ball with his chest opposed to his hands, and he knows better. And then all of a sudden, it goes the other way for an interception. So when you start to look at it, you go, okay, Kirk Cousins did a pretty good job but you got to factor in Delvin Cook's ability to be on the field to give the defense something to look at. And Chris, well, yeah, you- he's definitely a guy that you got to account for, right? Delvin Cook is going to dictate front and coverage, but I think with the Minnesota Vikings last night, it had more to do with what Gary Kubiak was doing 
play calling wise and being able to scheme up plays and get the matchups that he was looking for because they got Buster screen on Adam Thielen a few times and they took advantage of him. The two touchdowns that Thielen caught were on Buster screen. So I think when you start talking about what Kubiak was doing, I think that had more of an impact than the rush attempts from Dalvin Cook. Because I'm with you. Sometimes with the running game, it's not necessarily about the yards. It's about the attempts, and you force the defense to have to account for that. Last night, I thought that game was more about the ineptitude of the Chicago Bears offense, not being able to get anything going, and allowing the Minnesota Vikings time to be able to figure out their offense. In our last minute, fellas, the Bears offense, they made the offensive coordinator switch. Essentially, Matt Nagy was calling the plays the head coach. Instead, it's now Bill Lazor. (laughs) They have less than 150 yards of offense. Fellas, they had more yards on special teams. They had more yards on special teams than on offense. They they had more points on special teams, too. (laughs) Bill Bill waited all this time to call plays and get his opportunity and his chance. The Bears are on the bye, and they certainly need it. Much more of the Bears' offensive struggles on Monday night with Jeff Dickerson, our Bears reporter, coming up in 20 minutes. He'll join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. But coming up next, Drew Brees hurt again, and it's way more serious than we thought sitting here 24 hours ago. So can Sean Payton rally with a backup again the way he did a year ago? That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio and smart speakers everywhere. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. If you're on the course, you know that golf gets so much harder when you're not comfortable. Elevate your game with the Task Performance Clubhouse Collection made with highly technical fabric blends created exclusively for the Task brand. Amazingly soft, lightweight, breathable, durable, and versatile. Task garments keep you fresh and comfortable all day on the course, in the office, or for travel. Task has harnessed the performance attributes of natural materials to deliver better apparel, made better, and for better experiences. The Clubhouse Collection features polos, shorts, pants, and layering pieces in a wide variety of colors and patterns. Task's Clubhouse Collection will have you turning heads on and off the green. The perfect mix of casual and active pieces. The Clubhouse Collection elevates the golf classics through innovative and functional fabrics and design. It's time to step up your game with golf attire that truly makes a difference. Check out Better Now at TaskPerformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCPerformance.com. Those are the two options, of course. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston were back. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. You kind of heard, and I don't know, I think Max Kellerman is like a huge Drew Brees or Saints fan, but you kind of heard a little bit of a different octave in his voice there coming back from the commercial break because he was kind of stunned by the gravity of what happened to Drew Brees, as were many. I don't think many people expected the injury to be as severe as it was, but our Ed Werder is essentially saying that Drew Brees has three fractured ribs on the left side of his body, They thought those were incurred in that big win over Tampa Bay on Sunday night football a little over a week ago. And then two on the right side of his body, those were suffered in the win against San Francisco on Sunday. So that's five rib injuries plus that 
Is that a slab? Possibly. <laughs> What's that? Is that a slab or half a slab? A sla- dry rubber. <laughs> dry Saucy. rubber. Saucy. That's a half a slab. So we got five injured ribs, and the two on his right side stu- uh, suffered on Sunday might have also punctured Breeze's lung. So we've got rib injuries, a punctured lung. He's out for the moment. It's time for oh. Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Key is watching the play with Cantavia Street just laying down on Breeze late in the second quarter. Drew was somehow able to finish off the half. He said he didn't have the energy to do it, but he had to do it for his teammates. Here's Sean Payton essentially saying with the two guys he's got left, Jameis and the guy that can be a little bit of a uh, trickery quarterback, he's fine with both of them. Look, both he and Taysom uh, have a good feel of what we're trying to do. They pick things up. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's a good room. So that's simple, short and sweet from Sean Payton. Last year, of course, you may remember Drew Brees was hurt. Chris, they had to go to Teddy Bridgewater, who played well. He was 5-0. and It's just everyone's individual opinion on what you think on Bridgewater versus Winston. But Jameis came in, played in the second half after Drew got knocked out. Six for 10, 63 yards. Very manageable. The Saints are hosting the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the upcoming schedule for the Saints, the next four games, they got the Falcons twice, they've got the Broncos, and they've got the Eagles. So it's not necessarily murderer's row, but it's going to be up to Jameis Winston to take care of the football, and that's going to determine how much success this team is going to have because it almost feels like this team has had a shift in identity. In past years, they've been known for their offense, but this year you're talking about them having a top-10 defense. And that's really been the catalyst for them being able to get things going. And if they're going to stay atop of the NFC South, that's what's going to have to carry in the rest of the way because Drew Brees is going to miss a few weeks. Stefania Bell said this is going to be a couple of weeks injury, two, maybe even three weeks. So you got to have somebody to be able to hold down the fort. I think that person is Jameis Winston because they want to keep Taysom Hill in his role. But it's going to be up to Jameis Winston not to turn the football over. To me, that's the biggest key for him. Well, I think it, it, Chris is on to something there. When you look at the defense, when they went off and they won the Super Bowl, they was one of the highest-rated defenses in the league in terms of turnover margin. Um, they created a lot of turnovers. They created a lot of havoc. It wasn't a shutdown defense. But when you look at them and you look at Jameis Winston, one of the reasons that Sean Payton went and got Jameis is for this reason here. He knew he was going to lose out on Teddy Bridgewater, but he needed a guy just in case Drew Brees was to miss some time that could kind of just step in and he could control the turnover deal. I know everybody points and they look at the turnovers and they go, 30 interceptions and however many fumbles. Jameis Winston, oh, my God, what a disaster. Yeah, if you allow him to do that. If I'm having him drop back and throw the ball 40 times a game and 50 times a game, you're going to get turnovers for him because that is what Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense allowed him to do. Sean Payton is not going to allow him to trick off their season by doing that. He's going to keep him right in that little box, much like he did with Teddy Bridgewater. They went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. All Teddy did was hand the ball off, a couple throws here and there. They played defense. They got in in the game, and they got out with a W. And we, as you look at that schedule, when you talk about the Atlanta Falcons of the world, seeing them twice, you start to say, okay, he can hold it down. The Philadelphia Eagles, can he beat Carson Wentz? Absolutely. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz will help New Orleans. He'll help them beat them. <laughs> so when you start to look at that, you're like, okay, if Drew Brees is two to three weeks out, let's say it's four, for instance. You got the Falcons, the Broncos, the Falcons again, then the Eagles before you see the Chiefs in week 15, which at that point, whether Drew Brees was playing or not, I probably would have taken the Chiefs in this one. But they certainly can. he certainly can hold it down for those four weeks. 
Well, here's the thing. I worry about whether or not that's something that Sean Payton can limit. Can you coach the turnovers out of Jameis? Absolutely. I mean, look, hold hold on, Key. Here's the thing. We've got a five-year sample size on what Jameis Winston is. And it doesn't matter who the head coach or the offensive coordinator is. The guy gives the ball to the other team. So I know that you can do things from a play-calling standpoint to try to mitigate some of that. But when it comes to Jameis Winston turning the football over, I'm not sure – that even Sean Payton can keep him from doing that. No, I think he, I think Sean can because it's it's all about the plays that you dial up and you design. So if you've given him four and five reads and you want him to scan the field, that's when he gets into trouble. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling him, hey, it's Michael Thomas, it's Emmanuel Sanders, if they not there, throw it in the stands. Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation opposed to I'm trying to teach you to go through your progressions on four and five reads you, he's not that quarterback. No. He's a no. guy that you got to cut especially the field down a new, and Especially half. in a new system. Yeah. That's the other part it, about it, too. you got to cut it down so and learning, He's learning this on the fly. And I think the offense will be a little bit different than what we've seen with Drew Brees. You kind of have to throw out what you saw against the 49ers when Jameis came in last week because they're not the same quarterback. They're not going to see the game the same way. At but all. to Key's point, it's about Sean Payton making sure that Jameis Winston understands when the opportunities are there to be aggressive versus – when to make sure that you take care of the football and let's just get out of this series with a punt. Think about Teddy Bridgewater when he took over. Teddy Bridgewater's furthest throw was 25 yards. Yeah. Now, they were not allowing him to push the ball down the field. Everything was right in front of him where he could see it nice and clean and get it out. Three-step drops, not trying to have him do seven-step, not trying to have him do too many play actions, just nice and easy. And then Taysom Hill is still going to be in his role, like Canty said, where you're going to mix it up a little bit, where he's going to be able to come in and kind of keep the defense on on their heels a little bit to get them to kind of say, okay, we don't really know exactly what this is. Is he going to run? Is he going to throw? But he won't get 20 snaps at quarterback. He'll still get his usual four to five snaps at quarterback. That's just what Sean likes to do with him. But this is a huge opportunity for Jameis Winston. Like, he's fighting for his career now. He went to New Orleans to have an opportunity to learn under Sean Payton and and watch Drew Brees up close to see if he can resurrect his career. But that's what's what's at stake for Jameis right now. This is an opportunity that nobody could foresee. And now that the Saints are in this position where they're going to be missing their quarterbacks for a few for there for a few weeks for the second consecutive year, it's going to be up to Jameis Winston to try to hold hold the ship um, uh, and stay afloat. And I, you know, based on how he does, I think it's going to determine the trajectory of his career. His career in New Orleans, I must say, mm-hmm. he's not going anywhere else. He he will be the New Orleans Saints quarterback, depending on what happens in these next several games as a starter. Moving forward, when Drew Brees retire, he will not be like Teddy Bridgewater going to another team. Interesting, indeed. And to Chris's point, Drew Brees is forty-one. He signed a two-year deal. He's essentially halfway through it when this year is done. And the other subject that isn't being discussed, but we'll talk about it as the season goes on. This puts the Bucks right back in the division race right now. New Orleans is seven and two. Tampa seven and three. New Orleans swept the season series, so they have the game in hand. But if it's a four-week injury, like he postulates, it could be a four-week, could be three weeks. You maybe open the what? door. You sort of put it out there. I postulate. You postulate. postulate. You put it out there. <laughs> it is possible. You get an opportunity here for Brady to smell blood and say, hey, we might not have to make the wild card. If Jameis is in there for any extended period of time, we can get in there and win. And obviously doing the, it with Jameis' old coach. Here, here's the, I know we got to get out of here and get the break, but here's the great thing. Jameis doesn't have to see the Buccaneers, so he, he doesn't have to worry about that, right? 
He doesn't have to worry about playing against his old team. You're right, Bruce. No risk, uh, no risk it, no biscuit, as he used to say. Sean ain't going to risk it <laughs> with Jameis. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. This morning, we're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who deserves the most blame for Carson Wentz regressing? He mentioned Wentz earlier this morning. Is it Wentz himself? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the front office for not giving him the proper weapons? Let us know. Be a part of the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Still to come, Matt Nagy, Andy Reid disciple, struggling. On the hot seat is another Andy Reid disciple that you could never imagine being on the hot seat just a couple of years ago is his scalding as well. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Electric e-bikes, the number one seller of e-bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes. And one even said, I'm a 46-year-old man, and I can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old. These e-bikes from Electric are fast. They're up to 28 miles per hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes, so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds, and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer, or a bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range so you can explore further and longer. Just head on over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. And that was the big story near the end of the game. If you couldn't stay up last night to watch a 1913 Vikings, the final, that was courtesy of WBBM News Radio 780. Foles, according to Matt Nagy, head coach, had his leg and hip injured in the final moments. You already know Trubisky's got the shoulder injury, so if the Bears had enough problems, they you can add another one to it. Let's go to the Shell Pennzoil performance line to welcome in Jeff Dickerson, our Bears reporter. He joins us this morning. All right, uh, Jeff, so they said the offense would change after the play-calling duties were passed over from head coach Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor, and they end up with 149 total yards, more yards on special teams than on offense. What's the reaction this morning? Yeah, I think the offense uh, did not change one bit. It might have actually, guys, regressed. I mean, 2 of 11 on third down for the Bears last night. They only contributed on offense six points. Cordero Patterson had the 104-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. So they couldn't convert on third down, couldn't convert on second down, only 10 first downs for the entire game. They did not run the ball. Patterson led the team with 30 rushing yards because David Montgomery was out with a concussion. And Nick Foles, before the injury, passed for 106 yards. I mean, I think what people are seeing in Chicago is that it doesn't matter who's calling the plays. 
uh, the Bears' offense is pretty much broken beyond repair. So the reaction is what you guys would imagine. I hope one day we're all talking when the Bears are not in crisis, uh, but that day is not today because at 5-5 five and five and losing four straight and now they're on their bye week, you know, there's a real chance the Bears could go from first to worst here in a couple of weeks. They were 5-1. and one, now they're five and five. The division is division is tightening with the Lions and Minnesota both at four and five. So obviously the vibes in Chicago not so good this morning. Jeff, let me. Yesterday, you know, I said that Matt Nagy, in order to keep his job, they would need to make the playoffs. What What do you think? How hot is his seat right now this morning? Keyshawn, he's twenty five and seventeen, which I know doesn't sound great. But John Fox won 14 games in three years. I mean, that era took a couple of years off my life covering the Bears from 2015 to 2017. You know, they've, they've made the playoffs once. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year. It's not looking good. But another issue, Keyshawn, with the Bears is, you know, their general manager, Ryan Pace, has been in the job for six years. And his record's nowhere near as good as, as Matt Nagy's. But the Bears had to hire a search firm to hire Ryan Pace who then hired John Fox six years ago. So, I mean, there's no real infrastructure in place for the Bears to easily blow out everyone after the season. So I know that it's not going well for Matt Nagy right now, but if the record is 25-17, and 17, and after living through the John Fox and Mark Tressman eras, I'm not sure if the Bears are that prepared to make a big change. Plus, everything going on with COVID-19, we all know the season's been different for everybody so, yes, I think his seat is hot, but whether or not it leads to him losing his job ultimately in the offseason, I, I, I'm not sure if the Bears are quite there just yet. Well, it, it, the reason I bring that up because I'm thinking, okay, so, yes, he went to the playoffs in his first year. What did they win, 11 games, 10, 12 11 games? games. Right, 12, yeah. 12 games. So that's basically half of the 25 that we're talking about, right? I mean, and then when you look at it, he was the person who went out and vouched for Nick Foles and then made the decision – to get away from Trubisky at 3-0 and to go back to Nick Foles, which, you know, some would argue at 3-0, and why would you even make the change? Even though Trubisky's not available now, but what if he was available and he was still starting? Where would you be at? Well, your, your point's valid. And don't forget this too, Keyshawn. You know, Matt Nagy is only the Bears head coach because of his offensive association with Andy Reid. He was brought here to call plays. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't brought here to hand over play-calling duties to someone like Bill Lazor, who called plays for the Bears last night. So if he's not calling plays, what is he exactly? That, that's, a, that's a great question. The Trubisky thing, you know, it was very clear that, that Nagy was just done with Trubisky. And they benched him in week three against Atlanta. They came back. Foles led them to a victory. But now they're in a really tough spot. You know, they do have the bye week, and maybe Foles can recover from this leg or hip injury he suffered last night. Trubisky's shoulder's been messed up. He's been inactive the last couple of weeks. They had Tyler Bray come in and try to finish the game off last night. That's not ideal for anybody. Oh, there's a lot of things you can look at and say, boy, Matt Nagy has not made the right decision here. He, he could be in real jeopardy. I just feel like for the Bears themselves, with a GM and a head coach that are so closely tied together like Pace and Matt Nagy, and with no one in place in the organization to step in and say, okay, these guys are fired, I'm going to hire this guy who's going to hire that guy, it's always a little more complicated when it comes to Chicago and these types of matters. Jeff, Nick Foles gets uh, knocked out at the end of that game, has to be carted off, as you mentioned. When can we expect an update on his status 
And where are we at with Mitch Trubisky? Is that a consideration if he's healthy coming out of the bye week if Foles isn't ready to go? Yeah, Chris, it's a definitely a consideration. Matt Nagy was asked about that after the game last night. He thinks you know, Trubisky probably could be ready for the Packers game on November 29th. He didn't want to make any bold proclamations of that early. We're still waiting to see what was going on exactly with Nick Foles. But I think Trubisky, of course, is back in play here. Um, if Foles can't go, uh, Matt Nagy will speak again to the media coming up in a couple of hours. So maybe there's a little more of an update on Nick Foles. He was in a lot of pain last night. We talked to some guys that are with him in the postgame locker room, and he was limping around. So, you know, the bye does come at a good time for him health-wise. Uh, but they got the Packers coming up in two weeks on a four-game losing streak. So, yes, I think, uh, you know, barring a, a really quick recovery from Nick Foles, uh, there is definitely a chance that Mitchell Trubisky's back in there when the Bears come off their bye. One thing I got to mention, the thing I learned during this interview more than anything, is that the Bears actually paid somebody to find Ryan Pace for them. That has Jeez. to be the worst possible scenario in Chicago. I'm just looking at the dude's resume, man. I'm just looking at his resume. Search right? farms never work out. They never That's work true. out. Here's $50,000. Give us five names. Right? No, it's actually more than that. It never works out, though. And it certainly isn't working out in Chicago. Jeff, thanks for the insight this morning. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'll start my own search firm. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, Canty and Key. We're going to go find you a coach, an athletic director. Uh, <laughs> we, in every sport, right? Can you believe he didn't say Key and Canty? No, I like that. <laughs> working with first. How about that? You must actually like having me on the show. <laughs> y'all need to stop, man. Because y'all setting this narrative amongst American people that I am something different than what I am. <laughs> no, you are genuine. Shut up, Evan. <laughs> and authentic. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's talk a little NBA, but first, before we do that on the Alphabet Soup, let's go from A to Z. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has new movies at the box and streaming on demand from the producers of Get Out and Us, Don't Miss Antebellum, starring Janelle Monet. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. If you're just waking up this morning, you might have missed this story. James Harden turning down an opportunity to be the NBA's first $50 million a year player. The Rockets wanted to offer an extension that would have put his salary right at a half a hundred million dollars. But Woj last night on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt says, right now, the operative letter is B. He'd rather go to Brooklyn than the bank. James Harden has made it clear to Houston, he turned down a $50 million a year extension. That was the max extension off of his current salary. Two years, $103 million. Turned that down recently, I'm told, uh, and made it clear, I want to go play with Kevin Durant. I want to go play with Kyrie. I want to play in Brooklyn. But right now, that is just a wish. He's going to force his way there, Key. Why not? I mean, yeah, look, that just goes to, that tells you something. I don't want to be here, man. I don't care how much money you give me. It's not what I want to do. It's not for me. I want to go to Brooklyn. End of the day, I'll worry about my money later on. Indeed. And the Suns have a guy on the move as well. They pick up Chris Paul from the Thunder. So James Harden might be heading to Brooklyn. Chris Paul is definitely heading to the desert. Pair him with Devin Booker. He got a nice little one-two. The Thunder in full rebuild mode. Hired a new head coach last week. They pick up Oubre, uh, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome. First round pick. Sam Presti has been known to come up big with those first round picks. Just look at what he did with some of the guys in OKC that have flourished elsewhere. Oh, you know, like James Harden. Here's Ramona Shelburne essentially saying the combination of factors made this just too good for CP3. They're a team on the rise, um, close to home. He sees kids all the time. His family can come see him. Like, it's a great, it's, it's a, it's a, it'd be too high. I thought Philadelphia was, um, was in the mix for Chris Paul. Not just because Daryl Morey knows him from their time in Houston together, but 
he would just be a great fit for them in Philly. They need a point guard, obviously, with that team. But it's just harder to get that done uh, with what Philly has to offer. And they do have a second-year head coach in Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Draft tomorrow, free agency two days after that. Regular season begins it, December 22nd. And, Key, you said this is great for CP3. It, it is a, a great move for CP3, although I don't like it. I would have rather seen him go to, like, a Milwaukee out of the East. Easier opportunity for a great guy like this, a Hall of Fame guy, to get an opportunity to get into a championship situation. They're not in a championship situation in Phoenix. Let's be real. There's Golden State coming back. You still got Denver. You got Utah. There's Portland. There's the Clippers. There's the Lakers. I mean, like, it seems like, to me, it would have been easier. I, I know that Drew Holiday is, is is being acquired by the Milwaukee Bucks, but I wonder if Milwaukee kicked the tires at all with OKC about acquiring Chris Paul to put him with Giannis. Well, that's definitely a conversation they should have. And ultimately, for Chris Paul, if you can't get it with a championship contender – you want to get yourself in a comfortable situation. And going out there with Monty Williams, a coach yeah. he's got familiarity with because they were down in New Orleans together, and then being that guy that can unlock the potential of DeAndre Ayton because he's the guy that the Suns took ahead of Luka Doncic. So you need to have somebody that can be a playmaker for him and also somebody that can make Devin Booker's job a little bit easier. So I think that Chris Paul is a good fit. Clearly the Suns aren't a championship contender, but they were the biggest one of the biggest surprises that we saw down in the bubble with their performance. So adding a Chris Paul to that equation, I think that has this Suns team pointed in the right direction. No, it does. It gives them a give them another seven or eight wins, right? Chris Paul's good for that. And so I just for for me personally, because I like Chris, I just want to I wanted to see him. I would have rather seen him with the Clippers. Just just give them an opportunity instead the Clippers may poach our guy Rondo so it just depends our guy meaning the Lakers just in case you're wondering Chris well I'm a Lakers fan too okay so he's with with us thank you I appreciate that our us and we on this show and we're talking about the Lakers (laughs) that's for sure one other thing to mention Chris Paul obviously an elder statesman in the NBA but last year certainly turned back the clock the Thunder were much better than anybody could have reasonably expected and that's because of the play of Chris Paul now you serve as a mentorship role in Oklahoma City you go to Phoenix which is one of the youngest teams in the NBA so he can have that sort of role off the court as well you mentioned DeAndre Ayton Look, Luka Doncic was the runaway uh, best player in this draft to that particular point. But if you look at Aiton's numbers, he had a little bit of a slip off, a little bit of a suspension, but his numbers have actually been really good. He's been totally overshadowed by Doncic, but Aiton's done a really, really great job. One other thing I wanted to mention, uh, trades were on a freeze since the deadline um, had passed. And obviously then we went to the bubble where Chris mentioned the Suns actually went undefeated. But a couple of days ago, the NBA lifted the restrictions on what they call trade concepts, right? Because the offseason is so truncated. He got the draft and he got free agency two days later and then he got 71 days of an offseason. So the NBA essentially said, listen, you can't tamper, you can't talk and all that sort of stuff. This time we're going to raise that a little bit. We're going to make sure that gets lifted so teams can talk about concepts of trade. So when they said, look, it's time to do it, you can go for Chris Paul because you've already had the background chatter. It's an important distinction to make because the NBA obviously is dealing with an offseason like they've never had. Well, it's just like when free agency starts, right? It's like it's they don't sign until a certain date, but they have a week of conversations. Right. The tampering they can, period. The tampering period. They can put in play and have that conversation about what the deals could potentially look like. 
And so, yeah, it's fine. I, I think it's a good idea. 20 seconds away from talking about the more juicy story, uh, story which is Harden. But first, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk. Look, we all accidentally damage our phones. It happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless's new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection, just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. Is James Harden about to be your neighbor? <laughs> like, I mean, is, is this really going to happen? I mean, this is incredible. Harden's got leverage like he's never had before. The Rockets have a brand-new GM and a head coach. If they don't think that he wants to be there, they can rebuild on their own, on their own merits, go in a completely different direction, unlike Daryl Morey, and then send Harden to a place he wants to go. Obviously, he is in search of that elusive first championship. Yeah, and and he should be. Here's another guy, much like a CP3. You want to see him go to a place that they have a real opportunity to win a championship or at least play in a championship again. And so – it it makes all the sense in the world. You know, it, it's weird on the surface of things, especially as, as athletes you, or people look at athletes and say, wow, he turned down two years, $103 million. That doesn't even, that's hard to compute. It, it, yeah, it is. It's just like, how could you wrap your mind around it? But what's the most important thing? The most important thing is trying to get to a championship. I got all the money in the bank. I can't spend it all, right? I mean, that's that's the way he looks at it. And he's young enough to get back to a third or even a four, I don't know if this is a third or a fourth contract extension at some point in time. It's the only thing missing because he's one of the greatest scorers of his generation. He has shown he could fill it up. He can score in any which way. But that chip, that chip is the only yeah, if thing I, if I made If I've made $350 million or whatever it's, the numbers are, I'm just you know on and off the court if I'm James Harden. What's another $100 million? I'd pay $100 million to get to my championship ring. That's why these owners out here in professional sports spend so much money trying to have that conversation in the room when they go to West Palm Beach to their little meetings and boardrooms and they want to be able to talk about, I got a ring. That's, that's the thing that hurt a lot of owners when they're in these meetings. All their little buddies walking around, mm-hmm. Chris, and they could, hey, how you doing, so-and-so, and how you doing? Yeah, it was great to have that party the other night, and I can't have that conversation. That conversation is real. James Harden wants to have that conversation. He can't – when he's on those trips with his friends that have won championships, he got to sit quiet in the corner. <laughs> he know, can't, it, no, he can't be in that you conversation. You can't be in that conversation. It's a, it's a whole different ball game. But when it comes to James Harden, I'm not necessarily sure that he's a fit in a lot of other places. So I wonder about the leverage that the Rockets would have when they try to move him if they do decide to go in that direction. If you're Houston, I mean, you've already started to kind of tear it down. I mean, you moved on from Mike D'Antoni – you parted ways with Daryl Morey, so it almost feels like you've started the process. Now it's just a matter of, okay, can we offload Russell Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, and then what can we bring back in return from James Harden in order to jumpstart this rebuild? Because if James Harden lets it be known that he doesn't want to be in Houston anymore, you have no choice as an organization. What did I say yesterday? With professional athletes telling an organization, I don't want to deal with you those organizations will find a way to move you because they can't have that in the locker room. They can't have it. And it's not that James Harden's a bad guy. Especially with a new coach. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's just that I can't have a guy that doesn't want to be here not buying in 100% to what I'm trying to do. And it it would be unfair to Silas to do that to him. So, yeah, you go ahead and you move him. You saw what happened in San Antonio and Kawhi. Kawhi didn't want to be in San Antonio. So they said, okay. We're going to ship you off to Toronto. 
And how did that work out, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's what happens. Think about this. Silas, for those that aren't aware, Stephen Silas, 19-year NBA assistant, finally getting his first crack as an NBA head coach, the son of Paul Silas. You get that crack. You think you're going to have these two big superstars. You might not have either of them when the season starts December 22nd. So it's an interesting dichotomy from what he thought he was walking into to what he might have now. But did he really think that, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, Did he really think when they sat down and they hired him that he was going to have Westbrook in heart. And I can ask Woj that when we get Woj on, but mm-hmm. think about it. If I'm a coach that's taken over a job and I know that they failed at the system that was in place before, I'm going to run something close but not quite the same. Chances are these two dudes aren't going to deal with me. You you know that. Like, you honestly know that. He not He's not oblivious to the situation when he took the job. No doubt, but according to Jay Will, when he was talking about this, and Jay's going to join us a little bit later this morning, Silas, yes, indeed, Jay was uh, saying that Silas is really known for his communication and his rapport with big superstar players. He had been in Dallas. He had been in a lot of places that had star players, and even though he wasn't the head guy, now he's moved the 18 inches over to be the head guy. Different. He's had the relationships. You're right. It's 18 inches, but it's a world of difference. Let me ask you this. Rarely does anybody go to a team, Chris, for an assistant coach, but it is notable because you mentioned Mike D'Antoni is out of Houston, but oh, guess what? Mike D'Antoni's an assistant coach with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, he and Harden did have a very good relationship. So take me inside that. I mean, if you're a player that likes to fill it up and has the usage rate of Harden, you'd love to play for a guy like D'Antoni, who's an offensive specialist. Is there any way you think maybe that could be leaning him and saying, you know what, I'd love to play with Kevin Durant, be reunited with him, play with Kyrie, play with Steve Nash or for Steve Nash. But Mike D'Antoni, the guy that may have taken my career to the next level, is right there in Brooklyn. See, I think it's less about James Harden's relationship with Mike D'Antoni and more about Harden's relationship with Kevin Durant and probably more importantly, Kyrie Irving. Because if James Harden comes to Brooklyn, James Harden is going to be the primary ball handler for the Brooklyn Nets, and Kyrie's going to have to be off the ball. Is Kyrie going to be willing to resign himself to that kind of role? I mean, is he going to be willing to do that similar to what he had to do in Cleveland when LeBron came back? That's the question I don't know. Is that personal relationship strong enough to make that dynamic work? I think that's the biggest question when it comes to whether or not the deal makes sense for the Brooklyn Nets. I I think the relationship is strong enough, I think, because you have Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. you have Mike D'Antoni there, you, you, you have a veteran in Steve Nash, Jacques Vaughn is there as an assistant, and Kyrie can play off the ball, can play on the ball. It gives them options. It gives them options. Now, clearly, you got basically three dominant players in terms of offensive performance, all different in their own way, right? But that's lethal. I think that's lethal for the East. And if they grab James Harden, nothing less. I know prior to this I said that they, you know, showing up in the Eastern Conference Final would be good, but nothing less than getting to the championship? Like nothing less. Oh, yeah. If they, if they get James, bust. Yeah, Key, if they get James Harden, the only team in the East that's going to stop the Nets from getting to the NBA Finals the is the Nets. Yeah, it's that's the it. Nets. There's nobody else. Well said. Because then think about it. Just on the surface, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. And whatever else. And anything else yeah, they me. can put together. <laughs> and Key, well, you're going to be in a lot of the games. I know you live not too far from the Barclays Center. We should mention James Harden is an eight-time All-Star and the 2018 NBA MVP. Listen, he's got everything except that chip. 
His player resume is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. So once again, let's just go through what's going on in the NBA over the next couple days. The draft is tomorrow night on ESPN. Jay Will will be there. He'll be with us this morning to break it down. We'll see where the latest ball brother ends up. LaMelo is in the mix there. Two days later, free agency. The season on December 22nd, trade season, as you can already see, is open, and we'll see if the Nets and the Rockets swing a huge one. We'll keep you up to date. Still to come, Philly media and Philly coaches normally get at it, but wait till you see what happened yesterday with the Eagles. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.